Hi, this is Alex McFarland, and you're listening to The Heart of the Story with Tracy Lynn Russell. Welcome to The Heart of the Story, where true inspiration begins with Tracy Lynn Russell. Hi, and welcome to episode 12 of The Heart of the Story. I'm your host, Tracy Lynn Russell. Well, I know it's been a rough month. And I pray you're safe and healthy and that the peace of the Lord is upon you right now. And as I've been home with my family during this pandemic, I've had a lot of time to think about how to use my time wisely. And I really want to be able to spend quality time with my kids. And a great way to do that, especially right now, is to teach them about the ways of the Lord Jesus. Well, today's guest is no stranger to reaching our youth. He's Dr. Alex McFarlane. Alex is an author, speaker, and an advocate for Christian apologetics. He's spoken in hundreds of locations throughout North America and internationally, and has preached in more than 2,200 churches. Alex is the author of several books, including the best-selling 10 Most Common Objections to Christianity. In talking with Alex, you know, I really discovered one of his greatest passions is to equip teens to know what they believe and how to defend their faith. So on today's show, you're going to be encouraged as you hear Alex discuss the importance of our youth being able to defend their faith. There's a lot to cover. So let's get to my interview with Dr. Alex McFarland on this episode of The Heart of the Story. Alex, thank you so much for being on the Heart of the Story podcast with me today. Oh, thank you. It's a great honor to be on the Heart of the Story. Well, it's a great honor for me to have you because you were my first radio interview ever here in Nashville. You and know, I, that, that's oh so wild. Goodness. I had no idea. We, we had the privilege of having you on a show, and I mean, you were great. I mean, you were articulate, and you were very passionate, you know. But um, one thing when I've had media training, they talk about speaking in sound bites, make a thought and put it in a concise way and you did that and truth be told I I was listening to you and I thought you know she's good she's really she's a media (laughs) pro but um, the Lord has given you a great gift of communication well thank you so much I appreciate that and I'm going to tell my children you said that too because they don't know what's happening to their mom at 51 years old they're kind of like Mom, is that you? What's yeah. happening to you? And so and God's just opening up an opportunity. What so. are their ages? I have 24, 21, 19, and 13. And that's why I am so honored to have you on this show. And when I read what you do, I just want our listeners, because predominantly we have lots of moms, lots of women that care so deeply about the cause of Christ being raised up in the next generation. And when I was on your show and just listening to your commercials, I thought this man is incredible what he is doing. And so I wanted you just to share a little bit about what you're doing um, for the next generation. Well, well, thanks very much. Mm -hmm. We are passionate. Um, I I travel and speak, and we have an organization called Truth for a New Generation. Sometimes I might say TNG, but it's Truth for a New Generation. And we've done basically three things, broadcasting, publishing, and events for 22 years. And our whole goal, Tracy, is to make sure that, that young people, number one, they hear about Christ and they have an opportunity to respond to the gospel, but then that they're grounded and they can defend what they believe. It burns me up when kids that are raised in a Christian home, they go away to college and these professors 
And listen, I'm not bashing education. I've I've spoken at more than 200 major American wow. universities, more than half of which were secular universities. I've spoken at all the Christian universities, but I, I mean, I've been privileged to speak at Duke, Chapel Hill, San Diego, um, Harvard, actually, a number of secular universities. And I will tell you this as much as I believe in education, and I do, but unless your child goes to a solidly Christian college, I can promise you that they will be subjected to a four-year attack on America and God. Unbelievable. And, and Truth for New Generation, what we're doing is we are trying to help kids preemptively understand that we're in a, in a battle of worldview right. and ideas. Right. And we want your kids to not become agnostics. I, I've, I've interviewed thousands of parents, and like I had a dad just so angry. He said, I paid North Carolina State University in Raleigh, North Carolina. He said, I paid four years and $100,000 to disconvert my son. I know. I talk to those moms and those people every day, every day. And, and so we're just trying to help kids understand that, look, we come to Christ by faith. It's belief and trust. But there is incredible, compelling evidence why we believe what we believe. I know that's incredible that you have that apologetics background and that you're so solid in the truth. And I think that's really amazing. And I I wanted to kind of share with you what I hear from the mom end, which you might not hear. But, you know, so many mothers and so many Christian families, we're trying to do all the right things. So we're taking our kids to church. We're making them watch Veggie Tales. We're doing all these things. We're not letting them watch secular things. We're instilling praise music. We're doing all these Christian things, right? But what I hear you saying is there is this knowledge that we need in order to defend our faith. And so we think by going to church and by going to youth group and playing these games, you know, we think they're getting this knowledge, but somehow there's a disconnect. And I wondered if you could speak to that because it's so hard to watch your child go off freshman year and tank. You know, yeah. and so I know that you do a program about, you know, what you will hear your freshman year for kids and you travel around and do this. So tell me a little bit about that. Oh, thanks. Well, yeah, by God's grace, we've been in a couple of thousand churches over the last two decades. And um, I've done a number of seminars, but the number one thing I teach on is what you'll hear your freshman year. And I wrote a book called Stand Strong in College. And we talk about the four areas that college will challenge the faith of a young person, academically, emotionally, socially, and spiritually. And we address all of those. Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of what we do is based on ongoing relationships and conversations with young people. Um, And yes, I mean, when it comes to the things that a professor might say, you know, well, God is merely a Freudian desire for a father figure. And there's no, you know, if God is, is real, why is there terrorism and suffering. And see, a lot of kids that were raised in a Christian home, they went to youth group, they made a profession of faith, but they go away and you've got a PhD at the front of the room who may be a non-Christian, but even worse than that, an activist. I mean, I've been one of the number one uh, atheist professors that's influenced kids is a guy named Bart Ehrman at UNC Chapel Hill. And he's an ex-Christian. He says there are, are thousands of errors in the Bible. Uh, I debated him, and he bragged that he said um, he loves to take these these little Jesus kids and disconvert them. And he said, he told me this, that he takes pride if he can, by the end of the first semester of their freshman year, if he can turn an evangelical into an agnostic. Unbelievable. So, so you've got to understand 
Um, and by the way, just parenthetically, let me insert this. 50 states, 5 continents, 30 years, 17 books, hundreds of journal articles, 200 universities, teaching classes, sitting on boards, blah, blah, blah. I've had my nose in a book for 30 years. Wow. All of the evidence of science, history, archaeology, philosophy, logic, mathematics, uh, genetics, thousands of lines of compelling evidence point to the reality of God and the trustworthiness of the Bible. I never, never speak at a university that I hear a new question. It's always basic questions. Why is there pain and suffering in the world? Uh, what about the Old Testament? Gee whiz, killing all those Canaanites. That was pretty violent. You know, God, what's, what's up with God wanting all these Philistines dead? You know, mm-hmm. and see, for a young person, they hear some articulate PhD at the front of the room with swagger and bravado, you know, spitting in the face of God. And kids are like, oh, wow, you know, I don't I don't know what to say. Right. So there is this intellectual skepticism that we have to preemptively help kids understand. Mm-hmm. And, and I want to say again, for every PhD that curses God and is an atheist, I can name hundreds of tops in their field, uh, the number one synthetic chemist in the world, uh, a Dr. Tor, who's named one of the 50 most important scientists in the world as a born-again believer, rejects evolution. Gary Habermas, PhD, Michigan State, the number one expert on the resurrection of Christ. Wow. All believers. We never hear from them. Oh, you never, you never hear of the growing uh, wave of PhDs that are top in their field, that are Bible-believing Christians who love Jesus, and they'll say, look, the world needs to hear the other side of the story. Right. I agree. Definitely. The the other thing that I want to address that I think is really, really significant, um, I was finishing a book for Focus on the Family, um, and it was called Abandoned Faith, Why Millennials Are Leaving the Church and How to Bring Them Home. And I was at the uh, Oklahoma City at um, Oklahoma State University interviewing students as I often do and I had a real epiphany and I want to share this with your listeners because I think this is really key really key to understanding the mindset of millennials and younger all right you and me I'm 55 you're 51 we grew up in uh, an era of right and wrong true and false right truth was very binary you know it's black or white it's right or wrong you know, gender is binary, by the way. No. Whole nother subject. A whole nother subject. That, that it gets me exhausted. I can't keep up with the oh my uh, so many new genders. I'm like, I couldn't have dealt with that it, when I was that insane. age. It's insane. I know. It's insane. So I was, I'm trying to understand kids. I mean, it's like, you can have kids that claim to be a Christian, and I don't dispute that, but they would have wildly unbiblical beliefs. And here's a, the thing that I think, and I would love your response to this, having raised some 20-somethings. Mm-hmm. Our way of looking at the world was, you know, it's either on or off, hot or cold, black and white, true and false. The, the key value for the 20-somethings and younger is not true-false. It's shame versus honor. Now, I'm going to come back to that phrase, shame versus honor. And inclusion and belonging is the highest value. It's so true. And so I would ask kids, you know, um, you're a Christian. Yes. You believe Jesus is the Son of God? I do. You believe the Bible is the Word of God? I do. 
What do you believe about premarital sex, abortion, and gay marriage? Um, well, it could be okay. I'm like, really? But you're a Christian, and the bio, God's Word is your authority, right? Yes. But yet, so the kids would have these very mm-hmm. incompatible views coexisting in their head at the same time. Well, why? And this is what I learned and sort of run on so long. No, that's okay. I'm listening to everything you're saying. Every human has these driving needs, acceptance, significance, security. Mm-hmm. Do I fit in? Do I matter? Am I safe? Right. Now, traditionally, we get those needs met in family. Right. And then we grow up and we get those needs met in marriage and, and the family we build. Acceptance, significance, security. Now, the whole wide world could kick us to the curb, mm-hmm. but we, were, we had a sanctuary to which we flee called the home. For 63% plus of kids today, they've never had mom and dad. Now, I remember when I became a believer at UNC Greensboro at 21 years old, and I stopped going to the beer parties, and I, my life changed. Mm-hmm. And a lot of my friends made fun of me. But I, at that point in my life, I didn't care. For one thing, I had a mom and dad that I knew loved me mm-hmm. and a sister that had prayed for me. And then I had this whole new uh, hood called the church that had my back. And I didn't know it at the time, but I realized acceptance, significance, security. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't need it from my drinking buddies because, you know, they were kind of crashing and burning anyway. Right. My point is this. The less Christian a culture is and the less familial a culture is, the less a culture has Christianity and the less a culture has the sanctuary of the home, the more tribal they come. And I'm not using these words sarcastically. I mean, these are sociological terms. The millennials and younger are very tribal. They don't have a strong sense of self, um, self-actualization. Abraham Maslow, self-actualization is not like launching uh, like a new age mm-hmm. you like know, life coaching right. term. No, it's I'm talking stages. like you right. feel comfortable in your own skin. Right. You have a sense of identity and self. If everybody here made fun of you or tried to get you to compromise your values, you could stand strong even if you stood alone because chances are you're a very self-actualized person. You know who you are. I mean, when I was in Amsterdam and the drug dealers and prostitutes accost you as you get off the subway, um, there's no way, because I'm sorry, but that's just not who I am. Right. Kids today don't know who they are. Mm-hmm. And even kids from evangelical homes very often succumb to the pressure of college because they, they don't have a grounded sense of identity in Jesus, mm-hmm. in their family, and frankly, as Americans. Wow. And because they're not familial or Christian, they're tribal, and they will go where the, the mass goes. Now, do you believe that some of this is too developmental, like there is a, a stage of life, like that 18, 19, 20, where kids are just figuring it out, that they are wrestling with things? And, you know, I know you mentioned Maslow's hierarchy, but also, mm-hmm. you know, those 
Piaget's stages, where yes. there are these stages where we're pulling away from mom and dad yes. and we're self-actualizing and we're figuring this out for ourselves. Is there that going on too? Absolutely. Okay. And and I think from childhood up, we're from pre-adolescence, we're, we're having to prepare them to navigate that. Mm-hmm. And um, there was uh, Logan Pearsall Smith was a writer who said, you know, don't fault a young person for their various avocations. He's merely trying on one face after another till he finds his own. Wow. And and we were all there. I will say the 18 to 24 year old window is such a key time season because the choices we make very often will shape the trajectory of our life, won't they? Yes, absolutely. I mean, they're really key foundational kind of years for setting them up for some good decisions in the future. And, and there's a lot of latitude. I mean, do I go into business or right. do I get a medical degree? Do I you know, whatever, become mm-hmm. a camp counselor or an architect. There's a lot of latitude. But for 242 years of American life, you might move in a number of directions within the window of pursuit of self-actualization. But you at least would stay straight, Christian, mm-hmm. and patriotic. Right, right. You know, sense I mean, of family, m- sense my of- gender, my morality, my nationality— and frankly, my faith, I'm not going to jettison that. Right. But nowadays, it's not that way. Right. It's so true. You know, I have, I have, okay, so I have an interesting family. I have two millennials and two Gen Z. Z. Yeah. Okay? okay. And the difference I've seen between those two groups is unbelievable what's happening to this Gen Z group. Unbelievable. Um, I would say, I would agree with you that the attack on the Christians, the uh, you're bigoted, you're um, you're a racist. You're all these you're horrible things. You're a hater. You're I mean, jealous and you hate. You know, I mean, I think the worst thing you and I would have been called in college is a dud or you or know goody a goody two shoes. But now it's like we've taken all this political language and jargon and put it on Christianity too. So for them, it's really terrifying because it's like, oh, I'm a bad person now too, yeah. and I'm in this bad camp and I'm evil. So it's just been unbelievable. Now, that was not present with my millennial kids. That wasn't around. It's really ramped up. And, and, you know, speaking of shame versus honor. Well, that's what I thought about when you said that. I thought, oh, that's perfect because that's what's going on. All right. If you take a, if you speak out for Christ or take a stand for God's word um, and, and you get shamed on social media, you know, it's like Asian cultures, you know, when, when a Japanese businessman is caught for embezzlement and is shamed, you know, they'll commit suicide. Uh, Kids in our culture, I mean, kids that um, have been unfriended or get flamed on Twitter have committed suicide because they've been Mm -hmm. social media shamed. Mm -hmm. Well, um, you know, I guess I'm a little bit of a resident contrarian. You know, seriously, um, 30 years ago when I, I, you know, at UNC Greensboro, you know, everybody knew I was a Christian. Now, I had no idea I would go into the ministry, but I was um, I was working on an English degree um, because that's a degree with only one math course. And, uh, <laughs> I, I knew uh, I liked you for uh, a reason, Alex. I still can't do math. I was in the, you in know, the communications there, department. Tracy, there are three kind of people in the world, <laughs> those that can do math and those that can't. <laughs> And uh, oh, we are I, I, we are kindred spirits. But, and I want my son, who's an engineer, to hear that right now. Um, but, you know, all, all my friends, seriously, I had some close friends that we played in a band. <laughs> but I mean, I, I didn't drink anymore. And, you know, I still would go and I was a witness. But 
my my life and my values had changed, mm-hmm. and my buddies didn't like it. Mm-hmm. And they were they were pretty rough on me. They were, right. but I was like, I don't care. Look, mm-hmm. I have Jesus, and the Son of God gave His life on the cross for me. Uh, a verse, one of my core Bible verses, First um, Corinthians six nineteen and twenty. The Bible says, "Don't you know that you're not your own? You were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your mortal body." Wow. And one of the core values I talk to young people about is view all of life in terms of stewardship. The beautiful thing about the Christian message: God loves us; He'll never abandon us. You know, He forgives our sins. Our mm-hmm. names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Yay! But here's the deal, though: my life is no longer my own. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jesus owns me, and that's good, though, because his plan for my life is better than my plan for my life. So why would I not party? Um, Why would I not serve the dark side, you know, in whatever permutation the dark side manifests itself? Because I belong to Jesus now. Mm -hmm. And I think we need to talk to kids about the stewardship of one's life. Totally. And inspire them too. you know what I mean? For what can be when they make that commitment. I wanted to wrap up with what our listeners can do, because predominantly there's a lot of moms listening. And so their hearts are for like they are sitting here listening to you going like I am. I'm listening. I'm learning and I'm going, yes, yes, yes. Okay, Alex, tell us what we can do. How can we get involved with what you're doing and how can we get our children involved with what you're doing? Well, God bless you. Thanks for asking. Yes. Um, and, and I guess I would say um, maybe three things. Pray, don't be discouraged, and just keep role modeling Christianity. Let me just say this. After being uh, married for 31 years almost, coming up on 31, married and in ministry for more than 25 years, 2,200 churches and a lots of relationships, I firmly believe with all my heart, and I'm saying this as, as sincerely as I can do it. The most powerful force in the universe is God, the good Lord. The second most powerful force in the universe are a mother's prayers. Amen. I love, the, I love this. The, the bonding of the atom is not as strong as the force of a mother's prayers. Mm. I, listen, I, maybe we can come on again sometime and we'll tell stories. I would love stories. that. But I, moms... Be encouraged. Be encouraged. There is not short of the good Lord himself. There is nothing (laughs) as powerful as the prayers of a godly mother. Mm. Now, I will say this. We pray pray and stuff happens. You fast and pray, buckle up because God does things. So you may want to learn about fasting and prayer. Okay. Um, The other thing, have hope. We hear a lot of disaster stories, but I've got literally hundreds of testimonies of the prodigals who come home. So don't give up and don't be discouraged and just keep on role modeling truth. I want to say to the men out there, men, America has a father problem. The church has a father problem. Uh, So men, the best thing you can ever do for your kids is to love their mother. So a big part of what we need is a renaissance of godliness among the daddies. I love that. This has been such a blessing to me, Alex. I can't even thank you for your words. Thank you so much for your ministry to our young people and for the next generation. And I hope that we'll leave all of our listeners. We'll get all of your information um, linked to the show notes so that anyone that's interested in finding you, getting involved and sending their 
kids. My website is alexmcfarland.com. Okay, let's say it one more time just so people can see it. alexmcfarland.com. alexmcfarland.com, and we can find out more. They can register for these amazing um, camps and also all your information at alexmcfarland.com. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Tracy. God bless you. You too. What a wonderful, educational, and timely interview. Remember, as you're home with your kids during this pandemic, spend time with them in the Word and teaching them about Jesus. Pray for them and pray with them as we pass the faith on to the next generation. And as we close today's show, I want to remind you that you can find out more information about creating your own story when you visit my website, tracylynrussell.com, and simply go to the tab that says Finding My Story in Every Day. And if you want to follow me on social media, that would be great with me. I'm on Instagram and Facebook. Just a reminder to search for Tracy Lynn Russell in your internet browser. And I would also love to hear from you. Drop me a note on my website at tracylynrussell.com or just go to my contact page and leave me a message or a prayer request there. I wanted to let you know that I have some short feature podcasts that I hope will bless and encourage you throughout your day. These heart of the story moments can be found on your favorite podcasting platform, such as Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Plus, and Tune and Alexa. You can also listen to these short features on my website at tracylynrussell.com. Thanks again for joining me today for this episode of The Heart of the Story. Until next time, it's Tracy Lynn Russell with The Heart of the Story. Would you like a way to find your story every day? Go to tracylynrussell.com and register for the free download on her website. Are you looking for hope? healing, or just a big hug of encouragement for your marriage, go to SaveMyMarriageStory.com. Gain free access to the free email stories delivered right to your inbox. I wrote these stories for people just like you who want to see the power of God in your marriage. Let these seven devotionals encourage your heart or share them with a friend. Go to SaveMyMarriageStory.com and you'll also receive the link to our story in the James Dobson Family Talk Show. That's SaveMyMarriageStory.com.